I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's a Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie with you, chatting all things NHL here. Uh, to close out the month of October, Charlie O'Connor is going to drop by. We'll talk about arguably the most surprising team in the NHL uh, here in the first month. That would be in the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we'll, we'll bounce around the league. I want to keep this positive, though. You know what, Julian? I, I feel like sometimes... As the month of October closes out, we like to focus on those negative stories and I can't believe what's happening in Toronto or what's going to happen in Vancouver and yada, yada, yada. So listen, we're going to keep the good vibes going here, but we want to tell the listeners that we did debate, even though this is an audio podcast, we do have a little bit of a video component. We did debate whether or not we were going to wear costumes, right? Yes, we did. For the show. But you know what? I don't know. So it seems like you're you're not in it. I'm half in it. So for people who are listening, uh, I recorded another podcast before we got on here. You, the Chris Johnson show, you can listen to through the athletic app and we both wore costumes. So uh, I'm technically still in my costume, uh, which is a Homer Simpson onesie. But because you're not in a costume, I brought the hood down and I wore a hat instead, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to show you what I'm. That's I'm working the Homer with Simpson. You. And what was what was Chris Johnson? What was Chris Johnson today? <laughs> he was. Uh, he wore a really really campy Batman costume. Like he dressed up like like if you picture like Adam West as Batman, like yeah. running with a green screen in front of him. CJ would be like a dead ringer for that Batman. You know, CJ gives me more Robin vibes than Batman. Now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, no. The whole time I was looking at him, I was like, who is the Robin who's going to like run beside him while he's trying to fight crime? 
Like that's what CJ looked like the yeah. entire time. You, like if you watch the YouTube episode, like he, at certain points, like you see like the eye slits are like slipping and they're like they're covering his eyes. Like it's it was hilarious. Man. Okay. But not as hilarious. I gotta ask you about this Daryl Sutter. Oh my god. Presser. So actually we have the audio, right? We can we can drop this audio in. So before we uh you know play this audio here, we want to remind people that Daryl Sutter is blunt with a capital B. Okay. So in case you missed it, here's the Calgary head coach after the game on Saturday. Because Jonathan Huberto left for a brief period in the first uh, in the first twenty minutes, and well, have a listen. Here's uh, Daryl Sutter being asked about uh, Huberto's absence. Huberto left the bench for a little bit in the first period. Are you able to say what it was? I think he'd go take a shit. All right. Here's what I'm disappointed in, Julian. Yes. Okay. In the entire Calgary media core, how does somebody not follow up with a coach? When that happens, does that mean that uh, Jonathan Huberto is your number two center? Because <laughs> he's not a center. <laughs> if he was a center, that would work so much better. I but know. also, he's a like, but I know, but but like, what was that answer? Like, I don't know. What, what don't was going know. on in the room? I Tell don't me. know, dude. So like, it was like it was only a handful of people because I think a few others. Um, because it was it was the Battle of Alberta, so Flames Oilers. So a few of us normally that room would be would be would have like a few more people, especially with the Edmonton contingent coming in. But I think with the Oilers room opening up first, and and Jay Woodcroft uh, eventually doing a media availability, uh, there weren't as many people in the room to hear Daryl Sutter say what he have to say, and like uh, the question obviously just about Jonathan Huberto and why he left for a portion of the first period. He was gone for not that long and we're wondering like okay like what happened and to be honest we still don't really know because i don't think anyone got to follow up with him after the fact and ask what happened but like ryan pike of the flames nation asks uh you know what happened with jonathan huberto and then daryl sutter like daryl sutter doesn't take a moment to think about it he doesn't (laughs) like say like oh i'm kidding like he just straight up says it and doesn't laugh and he's like just acts as if it's very matter of fact there's a guy from Sportsnet, Matty Rose, who's like standing to my right. As he says that, he is just snickering and he can't. He's trying his absolute best to keep himself composed as that's happening. You might hear some like faint laughter noises. I'm sure a good chunk of them were coming from him. I know for me, I I, I tried my best to hold it together too. But like that was one of the wilder press conference quotes like, I've I've heard. Like that was just like, it's the fact that he delivered it the way that he did. It's kind of just like, it's like, yeah, you just touch dick shit. Okay. You <laughs> just kind of said it. Oh, man. Now I'm thinking about the fact that the next time Sutter talks about the, the importance of soft dumps, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's going to be gonna be problematic. Yeah, we got uh, no. we to we gotta dump the puck. <laughs> it's all about the soft dumps. No, but if you're Huber, though, here's what I, I, I want. Like... First of all, could if he had just said ah, there was an equipment issue, nobody would have thought twice. If he just, ah, you know what, had an equipment issue. Okay, no problem. Skates off, whatever. Nobody would think twice. What I want to know, and I'm assuming at some point you're going to talk to Jonathan Huberdo. That'd okay? be nice. This is what I want to know. When that ha- And I'm sure this happens to a lot of athletes 
during sporting events. Like not just Jonathan Hubert. Oh, it happened famously to Roberto Luongo in a playoff game. Remember? Yes, he, had to, he had to take off. <laughs> Do you tell your teammates? You're like, I got to go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would just say that I had an equipment issue and I would run back and come back ASAP. I mean. No. Sure. I mean, I don't look, it's your business. Like, I don't think people need to know that you're dropping deuces in the toilet in between periods, <laughs> but like that's, that's just in me. the game. That's in the game. I think I you just, know, I think you just, you need to run back, but that would be awkward too with all your equipment on. It's like, you know, it's like when you have a little kid and they're in their <laughs> snowsuit and they're like, I need to go to the bathroom. You're like, come on. Do you remember Where when, was this uh, five minutes ago? Do you remember when Lamar Jackson, I think, had that game against the Browns and he had to yep. like I think he I think he had to go do number two. And there's like the camera shot of him running in the hallway to go to I guess to the bathroom. Like I just picture like you're right for a hockey player. It must be so different just because like you're on skates and like, how are you getting rid of all that stuff to do? I I mean, it's probably not that I think if anything, like someone made a really good point that like considering how that game went, I mean, it's not that the Flames played badly, but they did lose. But, like, instead of people focusing on the Flames and the fact that they lost, like, anyone, I mean, people talked about the clip from Daryl Sutter. It was a good way to yeah. take attention away from the Flames losing round two of the Battle of Alberta in season. But still a really ridiculous quote. And I'm sure it was something else. I, I have a hard time thinking Jonathan Huberto genuinely had to take a dump in the game. But, hey, it's not impossible, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. No, that, what do you mean? Like, he, 100% he did because, like, if you're Sutter, you're, you're, you're not going to make that up as a fake story. Yeah, but right? if you're Daryl Sutter, you're also, just in my experience with Daryl Sutter, you are not going to tell everyone what the hell is going on with your team. Oh, this is a guy legit, like, if you, go, like, I learned the hard way, asking, hey, is Jacob Barstrom going to play? He straight up told me, like, hey, you're, uh, you're, you're new here, but uh, you don't, uh, don't ask me that question. We don't, we don't do all that stuff here. We don't, we don't, we don't do that. Like, he, he tries to keep it like Fort Knox in Calgary. So it's totally possible in my eyes that Jonathan Huberto had some other issue and Daryl yeah. Sutter was just like, I'm not going to tell you the truth. I'm just going to make up some story. I have every reason to believe he's not telling the truth. My guy, if I don't see a 1500 word piece on this <laughs> this week, I'm going to be super sour. I'm <laughs> dig into this. I, I don't know whether to laugh more at the fact that you want me to do that piece or the fact that you called me my guy. That's how you know yeah. our yeah. friendship <laughs> has got to this point. There you go. There you go. Also, let's agree the easiest sport to run off and use the use the facilities would be baseball, right? Especially oh if you're like, God. if, if you're like, you look at, you're like, oh man, I'm batting eighth. I'm good. You know do what? You remember, do you remember when, uh, do you remember a pitcher? I think it's a pitcher, Chan Ho Park. Do you remember, I think in 2010, he got asked uh, why he was not having a strong start to like a game. And he straight up just told the media, I had diarrhea. And yeah. the whole, yeah. And the whole clip is just everyone losing their mind. And like Chad Ho doesn't understand why everyone's all like, I had diarrhea. That's what happened. It's funny. Everyone <laughs> just lost it. <laughs> We're so immature. <laughs> but Sorry. if I'm not mistaken, with no. was there not a thing where like people were like, if you rearrange the letters of Chan Ho Park's name, it's spelt like oh crap or something no. like that? Do you remember this? No. Not, you people just did I, that? 
There was something. Oh, that's wild. There was something about. Yo, that's anyway, wild. You just that's unlocked wild, the memory yo. for me. That's wild. That's dis- okay. that's borderline disrespectful. If that's, I'm Channel it was Park, weird. If I'm no, Channel yeah. Park, I'm swinging on people who would do that. Not to mention you're playing with my name. That's wild. Why would people there was do something that? like that? I don't that's know. Insane. There is some wow. vague memory I have of that. Anyway, uh, look, we're gonna get to Charlie O'Connor in a second, and the Flyers are a great story. But I gotta ask you about another Metro team. Yes. New Jersey puts up seven against Columbus. Maybe that's a, hey, Johnny Gaudreau, you should have signed with us. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Are you a believer, Julian McKenzie, in the New Jersey Devils? Man, in the Metro division? I mean, the Rangers are doing okay. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I still expect them to do okay. I still expect them to be a good team. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, probably the best team in that division. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to the Flyers. I mean, I want to believe in them. I believe in Jesper Bratt. I believe in what he's doing for my fantasy team. Thank you very much to everyone else who didn't pick him because uh, he was my sleeper pick for this year, and he is killing it. Love it. It's too early, man. I'm not sure, but, like, I got to say it's good for the Devils that they're at least seeing some kind of success. This is a this is a team that remember the beginning of the year they were booing Lindy Ruff behind yeah. the bench, and people were wondering if he was going to be the first guy on the firing line. This is a team that a couple of years ago they when they when they get in Ducky Hamilton in, on the team. I mean, maybe it was a move that probably didn't match where they were supposed to be at that time. Uh, people are wondering like what the hell's going on with? I mean, if, if Tom Fitzgerald's future should be in jeopardy. It's good for them that they have the start that they have. I don't know if I'm going to say I believe in the Devils, but there's definitely some talent there to keep an eye on. And again, Jesper Bratt, uh, I think he has like on a one-year deal, right? He signed that like short little bridge yeah. deal. Yeah, one, one year, five million, and he bet on himself, right? And uh, it's working man. out so far. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, here's what gives me a little bit of pause for of concern or whatever. And, and I love this story with New Jersey. Look, that fan base has been through some. Pretty lean years here, last few years. They're always the the kind of the, the little sibling, right, in that marketplace. Uh, but here's what concerns me, okay? They're top five in goals against average right now. Ooh. And you're you're and you're probably thinking, like, oh, that's that's great. The devils, there were so many questions about their goaltending, their top five in goals against. They have an 880 save percentage. That's not good. <laughs> they have one of the worst five sa- Think about this for a second. They have one of the worst five save percentages, and yet they're top five in goals against. So what does that tell you? They're dominating the possession time, right? Like exactly. they're, they're they're is it sustainable? That's the part. I, I don't think you can win with your goaltenders giving you consistently an 880 save percentage. I just I, look, and it's early in the season. They're a great sort. Look, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, and uh, yes, as you mentioned, yes, we brought dynamite to start the season. I just don't think, and they've split the duties, I'm pretty sure, pretty much right down the middle with, with Vanacek and Blackwood. You can't win with that. You can't with that goaltending. They, they got to get a little bit of better goaltending because I don't think you can sustain an 880 team pre- <laughs> save percentage of people That's playoff so team. bad, yeah. And yeah. The, the, the goaltending has always been, it seems seemingly over the last little while, goaltending has just been an issue. Mackenzie Blackwood was supposed to be a young talent for them that was supposed to rise up and kind of take the reins but the fact that they have him splitting with Vitek Vanacek like that's it just yeah. goes to show how Blackwood has kind of fallen in terms of pedigree but yeah 880 definitely not good enough
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Julian. You know what? I, I think, you know, as we wrap up the month of October, I like looking at the positive. I think sometimes we focus on the tire fires and the teams and that are just dysfunctional. And it's fun to kind of look at the other side of the ledger, that the teams that have outperformed uh, expectations. I got to tell you, Julian, you look at, as we close out October, is there a team that has surprised you more in a good way than the Philadelphia Flyers? Dude, the Flyers, like I, I'm either on this show or on other shows, I fully expected them to be a tire fire, considering the the characters they assembled together with John Tortorella, Tony D'Angelo being there. I mean, gritty. I expected like a like a like a John Tortorella gritty, like angry moment. I still think we'll get it, but like I expected them to be bad. They have not been bad. They have been one of the best teams in the NHL to start the year. Yeah, one of the best stories, and to help us uh, maybe explain why that is, uh, let's bring in our pal Charlie O'Connor. Does such a great job covering the Flyers for us uh, with the Athletic. I got to ask you, Charlie. Uh, Julian just evokes the name of Gritty. <laughs> Are people still, as we do this show on Halloween, is like Gritty Halloween costume? Is that passe now, or are people still doing it? I would say it's not. You know, the coolest thing to do you know, right now. It's kind of like Phillies everywhere. But uh, in Philadelphia, but yeah, you could get away with a gritty costume in Philly. I think. I think it's long-standing. I mean, it's it's now it's about as ubiquitous as like the fanatic. You could if you show up to a Halloween party with a fanatic costume, nobody's going to bat an eye. So, man, I love life. It. Must be so good in Philly, man. Be like the it's, Phillies are in the World Series, the Eagles are undefeated, and the Flyers find a way to start off the season on a really good note. What's the vibe like in the city right now? The vibes in Philadelphia right now are excellent. They're as, as good as they've been in a long time. The the 76ers are extremely lucky that no one cares about them right now because they're kind of a tire fire. But everybody else is doing so well that they could sort of just fly under the radar for, for now, uh, at least while the Phillies are, are still going. But no, Philadelphia right now is is having just like a week-long party. And obviously tonight the Phillies are playing a home game in the World Series. They got that for the next three nights. So it's, uh, it, it's good times in Philadelphia right now, I'll tell you that. Good things do happen in Philadelphia. Yeah, and look, we didn't expect that the Flyers, you're talking about the good vibes. You know, I think a lot of people thought when October started, yeah, maybe the Phillies could have a run. And certainly the Eagles look like the class of the NFC East, but nobody in their right mind thought the Flyers would be holding down the best winning percentage in the Metro at the end of the month. So for our listeners who maybe haven't been paying attention to the Flyers, Charlie, or maybe they're looking at the standings like like Julian and I and be like, Damn, I can't believe the Flyers are doing so well. Uh, break this down for us. Like, how have the Flyers been able to get off to such a such a quick start? Well, you know, yes, they're off to a good start, and they deserve all the credit in the world for uh, you know for winning these games and kind of exceeding expectations, confounding expectations, whatever way you want to put it. That said, it's not like they are outplaying their opponents. They're winning games in large part because Carter Hart has gotten off to an incredible start. He's got a 938 save percentage. He's been their best player by far. They're not driving play. They're only collecting so far about like 40% of the shot attempts, 40% of the expected goals at 5-on-5. So this is un- under the hood. Things aren't great. 
But give them credit. Number one, Carter Hart's been awesome. Number two, they're making plays at key times. Really, Saturday night was the first time where you know they they blew a lead, but they've been coming back from deficits. They've been resilient so far. And you know, is it sustainable to keep winning with only forty percent of the attempts, forty percent of the spectacles? No, but they could get better at that. You know, they are learning a new system. They are trying to you know get a handle on everything that John Tortorella wants them to do. And they've racked up these wins to start the year. So you've banked these wins. Now you have to try to improve the underlying process. But in the short term, they're winning games. They have one of the hottest goalies in hockey. And you can win a lot of games if your goalie is stopping 94% of the shots. It must be a long time coming for Carter Hart, right? He's a guy who once upon a time for, at least especially in Canada, when we're looking at Olympic rosters and potential players who could be there, people looked at Carter Hart as a guy who could succeed Carey Price as a starting goalie for Team Canada for for some time uh, can you go into more detail about how good carter hart has been to start off this season yeah he's been fantastic and it's funny because he didn't even really get a preseason um he was battling a minor injury so he practiced but didn't play in any of the games so i think expectations were pretty low for him at least to start the year plus he hadn't been great the last two years you know he had that great really great playoff run in the bubble and that was coming off of a, a pretty strong regular season that honestly was even stronger when you looked at advanced metrics uh, than just his general save percentage. But coming out of the bubble, you're thinking, man, he's about to take this leap. He really struggled mentally with the challenges of the pandemic, which I think a lot of people can, can empathize with. That was the 2020-21 season where everything kind of fell apart for him. He finished with an awful save percentage. Last year, honestly, he was pretty good. Essentially, what happened was the team in front of him was awful, and then his save percentage kind of tanked at the end of his season because he was playing through an injury, and then finally they shut him down. Um, so he was okay last year, but if you just took a glance at his numbers, you think, well, he had two straight awful years, maybe he's falling off. I th- I always thought that he was probably poised to have a better season this year, especially if John Tortorella would be able to implement some structure and have the team not looking like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off, which is kind of the way they looked in the defensive zone a lot of last season. And so far, you know, yeah, they're getting out shot, they're getting out chance, but they're not giving up as many, you know, A-plus chances that the goalie just can't stop. And Hart's playing well enough where he's stopping all the B-plus and A-minus chances. So that's basically what's happening. You know what? I want to throw something out to both of you guys, because you guys are both you're younger than me. I feel like if I throw out something, the two of you are cooler than me. And maybe we can make this thing happen. Okay. I don't so know hear about me out. Cooler than you. Yo, oh, definitely. Trust me. <laughs> okay. So Charlie just said the Flyers last year were running around like chickens with their heads cut off in their own zone. And there's a lot of teams that have that. I'd like to coin a phrase, and you guys tell me if we can get some traction on this. You ready? I think when teams look bad in their own zone, we should call it a cluster puck. Ooh. They're a cluster puck in their own zone. Yes? That's a no? Li- How it, we it's feel? a little, it's a little it cringe. Dicey? But it's cringe. Okay. Okay. You, you can you can make it work. You just have to fully commit. That's the yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sneak it into a column at some point this week. There you go. A complete <laughs> cluster puck. I'm gonna sneak it in. I'm gonna find a way to credit you for it. There we go. <laughs> cluster puck. Uh, you know, one thing I want to say, look, it's all been good vibes. Uh, but there is a yeah, but, and that's that's Sean Couturier. And and this guy is such a great two-way center, one of the best 200-foot players in the game. Some some tough news for him again now in the past few days. Could you just maybe update the listeners? Like, what are the odds, Charlie, that we see Sean Couturier play this season for the Flyers? 
Well, they gave him. So essentially what happened with Couturier, Couturier's season last year was ended due to back surgery. It had been bothering him for months. He finally decided to get the surgery. He was rehabbing all summer, never really fully felt right. Then like right before the start of training camp, they dubbed him week to week. Now, finally, he's going to undergo what they're calling back revision surgery, which essentially means the first surgery didn't work. We're going to go back in and try again. They gave him a three to four month timetable, which would put him back in the lineup sometime in like March. Now, is it possible he comes back in three to four months? Sure. And I'm sure that's what the Flyers are hoping. That's surely what Chogaturi is hoping. That said, back injuries are tricky. And now he's going in for a second surgery on the same problem. This is scary stuff. And the Flyers, you know, outwardly are expressing confidence that this will fix the problem. But you're talking about a guy who's turning 30. You know, he's he has a lot of miles on, on, on his tires. He's played since he was 18 years old in the NHL. And it's very reasonable to be concerned, not just about his status for this season, but his status for the rest of his career. Because back surgery, back injuries are tough. And back surgeries, there's no guarantee that even if he comes back, that he's going to be the same guy he was before these surgeries. So there's a lot of concern, I think, around this situation. And it's it's disappointing because, I mean, Shogaturi is a really fun player to watch. He is he is a talented player. He's, a, uh, he's obviously a former Selkie Trophy winner. And he's the best skater on this team. And not only that, they just signed him to an eight-year contract. This is the first year of an eight-year contract that is worth almost $8 million a year against the cap. And... I mean, I guess if it turns out that he just can't play anymore, you can just stash him on long-term IR. The worst case scenario for the Flyers, truthfully, is that he can come back, but he's a shell of himself. And then suddenly you've got a guy who's worth $3 million a year. You're paying eight through the end of the decade. So yes, the Flyers are playing well. Yes, the vibes are good. But the Chagaturier situation, it does loom large over everything because he's such an important piece. I have a question about John Tortorella and a quote that he said, uh, I think last month, or at least earlier during training camp, I have major concerns about the room. You can't get squat done on the ice until you get your room straight. And I think we have a little bit of work to do there. You've mentioned that, you know, it's not necessarily like earth shattering news that he brought up the fact that the room is what it is, but through this start to the season, have you noticed any particular changes on that front with at least with what John Tortorella may be trying to do to help change the dynamics of the of that locker room? Um yeah, you know, it, it's early and to be fair, it's easier to have a good room when your goalie's stopping 94% of the shots because you just have more confidence knowing that the guy back there is literally standing on his head. Um that said, I think the big problem with the room from what I've gathered it was never that like these guys all hated each other. This was not a situation where like people were at each other's throats. If anything, it was kind of the opposite in that they're really tight and they all like each other. And because of that, like there was just kind of a lack of accountability. Like I, I believe Cam Atkinson referred to it some as something of like a country club atmosphere there. And guys just, I think needed to be a little bit harder on each other, you know, to, to kind of say, you need to, to get your head in the game. You need to really, you know, stick it out. And, and if somebody, you know, blows a shift, that's not just okay because we're going to hang out this weekend, you know? And I think that one thing that Tortorella has done, which has been interesting to me, is he's going without a captain. Obviously, Claude Drew was the longtime captain of Philadelphia. He got traded. I think the expectation was they were going to give somebody the C. Tortorella has not given anyone the C. He only gave one player even an A, and that's Scott Lawton, who is not like your traditional best player on the team gets the C type of thing. So 
Tortorella, I think, is kind of throwing down the gauntlet a little bit to the veterans on the team to say like, hey, if you want to be viewed as a leader in my eyes, go lead. I'm not going to give it to you. And I do think that that is probably shaking up the room a bit, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when they deal with some adversity. Because as I said, it's easy for everybody to feel good when your goalie is playing this well. If they lose two, three in a row, what happens? That I think is when we'll see. That'll be the stress test to see if the room really has gotten better. You know, you mentioned, Charlie, that the Carter Hart um, kind of had a tough go of it mentally during the pandemic and was certainly probably, um, you know, trying to overcome some some mental hurdles. And I think that would probably also be true for Kevin Hayes, who I think, you know, if, you know, hockey fans are very familiar with the story of the uh, tragic loss of his brother. Um, and I'm wondering how he's doing right now. You statistically, you look at the sheet, you're like, wow, 10 points in nine games. And it looks like he's, you know, maybe Kevin Hayes is back, but maybe more importantly, like how, how's Kevin Hayes doing when you're kind of around him and, and in that locker room? I think Kevin Hayes is just ecstatic that he's finally healthy. You know, that was really, I mean, obviously it was, I can't even imagine how tough it was for him to go through what he went through with, with the loss of his brother. That's, that's an entirely separate thing, but Kevin Hayes all last year was injured. You know, he had surgery at the end of the 2020-21 season to deal with essentially a core muscle issue, then had another surgery after the first one really didn't take. That was at the start of last season. Came back, looked awful. He was very clearly not healthy. Then finally, after a while, they were able to determine that actually there was an infection in there. He had another surgery essentially to resolve that. Then finally, by the end of the year, he looked like maybe 80% of himself. And I think this year, the big difference is that he had a full offseason to train and he finally feels good. You know, he finally doesn't have to worry that every turn he makes that his whole lower body isn't going to fall apart, which I think was lingering on his mind all of last season. There was definitely a fear from his part that he was never going to feel good again. And now he feels good again. Now, that's not to say that, you know, Kevin Hayes is miraculously the speed demon. It's just that he's now what he should be. And in fairness, you know, He's a guy who John Tortorella has been open that he's going to push. You know, Kevin Hayes has at times, I think, frustrated coaching staffs. And John Tortorella is open that he's going to ask for a lot from Kevin Hayes. They have to now because Sean Gattari is out for the foreseeable future. So Kevin Hayes is, by default, the number one setter in Philadelphia because who else do they have? So he's pushing Hayes. Like, uh, I believe it was the uh, two Sundays ago against the Sharks. Um, Tortorella benched Kevin Hayes for the third period. He benched Kevin Hayes and he benched Travis Konechny. And do I think that that was in part more of a, like an overarching message sent to the team rather than like him being specifically ticked off at Hayes and Konechny? Yeah, but I think he was ticked off at Hayes and Konechny because he saw the team kind of falling into old habits and his expectation is, hey, you guys are the leaders. You guys are the ones that have to lead the way and you weren't. You were just kind of coasting. So I'm going to bench both of you guys and send a message. Now, the ne the very next game, Travis Konechny had an amazing first period and had two great assists and Kevin Hayes had a strong game as well. So they, they both, you know, responded well in the short term. But I could see Kevin Hayes and Tortorella clashing a little bit this season because again, Tortorella is going to ask for a lot from Hayes and Hayes is healthy now. There really aren't any excuses. But yeah, last year was very tough for him. You know, you, you have the combination of, you know, awful stuff with regards to your family and then the injuries that he was battling. I'm sure he's just thrilled to be going out to be able to go out there and just play hockey the way he what he wants to.
Two quick things. I realized in mentioning uh, some of the uh, other Philly teams that are doing really well, I completely forgot about the Philadelphia Union who are in the MLS Cup final. Literally, yeah. like, like the city of Philly right now, like you talk about the vibes being excellent, like everyone seems to be winning. I just have to mention them. Uh, but I just wanted to know, is there anyone else on this team uh, that we seem to be kind of overlooking in the hockey world? Well, you mentioned Kevin Hayes with the start that he's having. Uh, Carter Hart playing well, too. Is there anyone on this Flyers team that we should be paying more attention to, considering how well they might be playing? Uh, it's an interesting question. You know, I think they have really, really high hopes for Joel Farabee. Um, he actually had the same neck surgery that uh, that Jack Eichel had. So there was, I think, a, a fear that he wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season because he got that in the summer. He made it back for game one. There was maybe a little rust the first couple games, but I think he's been playing quite well and he's going to be at the top of their lineup because again, who else do they really have? So he's a guy I think definitely keep an eye on. Um, then they just have a lot of young guys. You know, they are really like, this is kind of a youth movement. Maybe they're, the guys aren't like 19 years old, but a lot of rookies, you know, they're real high on this kid, Noah Cates, who went to, uh, to Minnesota Duluth. Um, they're trying to figure out what they have in guys like, uh, you know, Owen Tippett, uh, who was in the Claude Giroux trade, Morgan Frost, who was a first round pick of 2017. That's finally really getting his, his shot, you know, Wade Allison, who went to Western Michigan. They have a lot of these guys that they're trying to figure out kind of what they have in them. So those are, you know, for lack of a better term, the flyers to, you know, to an outsider probably have a lot of Mark Donks, but, um, <laughs> I love that but, reference. Exactly. But you know, maybe over the next couple of years, if some of these guys establish themselves, they won't be Mark Donks for long because they will become legitimately good NHL players. Mark Donks and Buzz Flippets. Like, Buzz Flippets. I always thought those like a good, like, but I always associate those with Pittsburgh players. So I wonder how people are going <laughs> to genuinely feel uh, about that. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us over uh, this last little while, man. We really appreciate this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Good. Hey, listen, I appreciate you uh, wrapping up that interview, uh, Julian, with, uh, <laughs> with with Charlie, because my computer all of a sudden froze. So hey, you know, it's just it, anything to help you out, friend. There we go. There we go. Uh, by the way, it's interesting, right? When you hear what a great time to be a Philly sports fan. Um, here's, a, here's a random fact for our listeners. Okay. okay? Philadelphia is the only sports city in North America that in one calendar year had all four of their big four sports teams reach the finals in the same year. Did you know that? What year would that have been? Yeah. Is that so 75 this is or like 2009? Uh, 1980. Oh, okay. 1980, the Flyers went to the Stanley Cup final. They lost to the Islanders. Uh, that was the Bob Nystrom... Uh, overtime goal that started the Islanders yeah. dynasty, but that was Philly got to the uh, uh, Stanley Cup final that year. That same year, the 76ers got to the NBA final and uh, they lost to the Lakers. That's the year that Magic Johnson was a rookie yeah. and actually played as a center, I think in game six of the finals when Kareem was hurt. Yeah, Magic steps in, right? Okay. Yeah, it goes so they against got the there. Dr. J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's 1980. Also in 1980, the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl. I believe Dick Vermeil was their head coach. Uh, they lose to the Raiders. Couldn't tell you if they were the Oakland Raiders or the LA Raiders. I think they were the Oakland Raiders, but I don't know. But anyway, they lose to the Raiders. The only team to win 
for Philadelphia in 1980 was the Phillies. They won the World Series. But they yeah. all four of their teams got to the the finals in the same calendar year. That's crazy. I, I, I didn't realize that they did that in yeah. the same calendar year. I know yeah, 1980. In the bubble, uh, I looked at I paid attention to teams from the state of Florida that were doing really well because I mean the lightning Tampa, had right? won a Stanley yeah. Cup. Um uh I think in the, well, the uh, Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Buccaneers won the Super yeah. Bowl. In the MLS playoffs, I think either I'm trying to remember if it was Orlando City that won, or at least they got to the final. Uh, they did really well that time too. The Tampa Bay Rays were in the World Series. I want to say, yeah, they lost to Dodgers. Yeah, yep, yeah. Like the state, uh, the Miami Heat were in an NBA Finals too. They lost to the Lakers in the bubble. So yeah, I mean that's the only closest thing I could think of in terms of dominance. But that's an entire state. Yeah, like city. One city. All that. That's incredible. Calendar year. There you go. All right. Uh, let's wrap up this show with a couple of segments we've tried to make a little bit regular on the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Now, in the first two weeks of the uh, the regular season, we have handed out something we call the Jack Adams Winner of the Week on the Monday Athletic Hockey Show. That is, we look at the coach that we're like, man, that guy did a great job, and we gave the first one the the aforementioned John Tortorella. Don Granato got the nod last week. Who who do you think, since we last recorded an episode, the Athletic Hockey Show on Monday, who's done the best job coaching the past week? Mm, there's some pretty good options there, right? Like Bruce Cassidy's had himself a good week. Uh, the Bru- I mean, it's kind of crazy that the Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights are both doing really well. It's kind of like that rare situation where it's like you, you have a breakup and then, like, both parties seem to be doing pretty well yeah. uh, without each other. Uh, I think those two teams are doing well. Jay Woodcroft's getting the Oilers doing to play really well, too. Uh, Liam Lambert, who I haven't really, I have to admit, I have not focused as much on the Islanders as much as I'd like, but uh, Liam Lambert seems to be doing a decent job on the island as well. Mm, I mean, might be a tie between Cassie and Woodcroft, and I really might just be going off record in the fact that they're both like 4-0-0 over the last little while. Um, but hmm. What about, okay, what, what about Jim Montgomery? As the month of Jim October Montgomery's closes good, out, that's true. nobody, look, nobody would have thought the Bruins would be at the top of the standings. That's right? True. Like, a lot of us thought, man, the Bruins, they're going to be a playoff bubble team, and they got no, Marshan comes back, and he was obviously uh, remarkable in his return, but, you know, no Charlie McAvoy, and no uh, yep, Marshan right. to start the year. I, right. I kind of feel like it's time they maybe give some love to Montgomery. You're absolutely oh. right, because, like, I really thought with the injuries that uh, they were, that they had to deal with, that they were going to start off on the wrong foot. We we had an episode where we, we saw the fact that Taylor Hall was going to be out for a couple of weeks, but he ends up coming back a lot sooner. <laughs> Than, yeah. than anticipated. Brad Marchand was supposed to be up for a few more months. He's back already on the team. Uh, yeah, and the fact that they were able to get those results without those, without with all those injuries, like, yeah, that is incredible. You you've made a really good point. I, I, it, Jim Montgomery is probably going to be my pick. Okay, look at this. I just conv- I think let's go ahead, lock it in. Jim Montgomery wins our Bam. Jack Adams of the week award. Three straight wins, and yeah, he gets Marchand back, but. Man, it's unbelievable what he's doing. I do want to give a shout-out, though, to Cassidy. You know what's amazing? Yeah. As I talked about mm-hmm. earlier in the, in the podcast that the Devils had the wor- like you know one of the worst save percentages in the league. The Vegas Golden Knights 
have the best goals against average, and I believe the best save percentage. And we thought goaltending was going to be a huge concern. Relying on Logan Vegas. Thompson to hold down the fort. Yeah. Look at Logan Thompson's numbers. It's crazy, Man. right? Just goes to show, you know, you think you know teams. You think yep. you know the NHL. And then the NHL finds a way to throw you for a loop. And we're only in the first month of the season. Yeah. No. So anyway, we'll give it to, to Montgomery. And the last thing we're going to do, get a little multiple choice question for you and the listeners. You, you, you answer this question, okay? Sure. As a fan, and look, it's Halloween. And look, Halloween parties have become like the thing for NHL teams in the last yes. few years, right? They, it is like the... It's almost like a signature event on the calendar for the teams. Fans love seeing what their favorite players dressed up as and all this stuff. Here's my question for you to close out the show. As a fan, would you rather, A, attend your team's, your favorite team's Halloween party, show up, you get to be a guest, hang out, or B, would you rather ride on a Stanley Cup parade float with your favorite team? What would be, even, what would be your choice? It's not even close. You take the Stanley Cup parade. Not even really? close. Really? Yeah easily because you get to especially with how they look now where you see all the viral stuff where you like one guy's getting a little bit more lit than everybody else people throwing like gifts from the ground and all that and and trying to just show you love and you get to be a fan and experience that easily easily not to mention if i'm a fan and like nobody knows who i am it's just like some random dude that's there Yes, there's like mean potential, but you can also just try to be a little low key while everyone focuses on the players. You just do your thing. You're like a fly on the wall. That's easy, Stanley Cup. Really? I mean, I feel like, but like, I feel like where you're going to get more great stories to tell your friends would be the the Halloween party. I don't know about that. I don't know about Hmm. that. Like a Halloween party with all of your players. Yes, there's going to be some stories. It's going to be like, wow, that's cool. You got to party with X team here. A Stanley Cup parade especially depending on which team that ends up being like, I mean, what for Halloween party, people are going to be like, yeah, how did you get in at that? Like Halloween party, a parade float. I think it's going to be way more of like a, a cluster pot. There we go. Look at that. <laughs> bringing it in. It's a cluster puck. I think, I think we can make that, uh, you know, turn that in. You know what we need to do? We need to just start uh, trademarking words. This is the Monday athletic hockey show. We've trademarked the word cluster puck. Cluster right? puck. It now we're should be start... a segment. It should be a segment. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to we're going to make cluster puck merch. We're going to get, you know, we're going to get it going. I cluster like puck. the idea of that. As yeah. someone who is on another podcast that has merch, you should cl- I would there wear we like cluster puck the athletic hockey show merch. Uh, oh man. All right. Well, we'll look into that. We'll get the marketing department and the trademark lawyers to look at that. Um, all right, man. Listen, you've got some homework to do this week. 1,500 okay. words. <laughs> the real story behind Jonathan Huberdeau. On the Why athletic. did he leave in the first period? Why did he leave? Oh, man. I guess I got to start tapping into my sources on that one. You know what? In, 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 all, in all seriousness, I would kind of read a story talking to NHL players like, what do you do when you have to go to the bathroom? Like, how often have you left the bench to go use the bathroom. Like, because these guys are often, they're hydrated too, right? Drinking yeah. during the game and whatever. Like, how often? Like, I don't think it happens very often. Like, I, I always notice well, when Berlo players Wongo leave the bench. Roberto, absolutely. I can't think of another time in which this He's has the been a famous topic. one. Yeah. That was a play. That was overtime of a playoff game. 
Oh my god. Like right? <laughs> it's overtime of a playoff game. Your season was on the line. Roberto said like, "Nah, man. Got to yeah. shit." <laughs> I think we've all been there. We're like, "Yeah, I get it." Oh I get my it. god. All right. No way. Listen, let's leave it there. All right. Love to hear from you. Uh, as always, hit us up uh, on Twitter with your thoughts. Uh, leave us a comment in the uh, the Athletic Hockey Show comment section. I know I know Gentilly likes to really dominate that space. We need to start warming our way in on the of Monday like, pod. Like Tell having people. people comment yes. on stuff? He he gets those comments and he and he's like he he makes sure that the Tuesday boys, which is spelt with four Z's, oh uh, he, he makes sure that the Tuesday boys dominate the comment section let's let's get going here okay let's get some that's actually, any competition Stop. against the tuesday boys i am all for because yes. we are we are already one to know against those guys so we can't we yeah. can't have them beat us again exactly. well not at all no exactly all right so that does it for the monday uh, episode of the pod drop us a uh, uh, a comment there we love that uh, and leave us a, uh, a rating and review on your favorite uh, podcast platform. We certainly appreciate that. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You'll get all of our bonus content from the entire network. We'll start with a 30-day free trial. It's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, great deal. You can subscribe to The Athletic for a dollar a month for six months. Visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. <laughs>